Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Now, the boy has been back and forward to town many's and many's a time, but he's on the line at the moment, Eric, Eric Bell. Eric, good morning. Hi, Fine. Uh, thanks for joining us on the programme, Eric. I must say, when you think of all the people you've been involved with musically down the years, and I think one of the very first ones would have been Van himself, and then the forming of Thin Lizzy, you must, you must look back on the idea of creating Thin Lizzy as a massive success in life. Yeah, uh, well, no one knew what was going to happen. You know, it was I was living in Dublin with a show band, left the show band, and proceeded to try and find musicians to form a three-piece band. And uh, I was just incredibly lucky. Uh, right place at the right time. And the right people, met, meeting Philip and Brian. And, um, and then the whole thing started to take off, you know. How impressed were you with Phil and with Brian Downey when, when, when you first met them? Very impressed. Uh, um, they were in a band called Orphanage, and um, <clears throat> I was in the club the night they were playing. It was the first time I ever seen them, and uh, Brian Downey's drumming was um, was something. Um, and then I started talking to Philip at the break of the gig, and, we, and he told me he had some songs written, so... Uh, a week later, we sat and listened to his songs, <coughs> which were fabulous. <coughs> so uh, I was very lucky meeting those two guys. And did you n- n- note Phil's quality, the, the personality he had, or was that something that he developed almost for for the stage show? Well, uh, you know, if you're um, a black guy that speaks in a very broad Dublin accent, and uh, you know, you look the way that Philip looked. Um, yeah, there was there was definitely star potential there, you know. And were you impressed by the songs that he had? Because the, 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 the first songs obviously had a very Irish influence to them, but with a, a special Thin Lizzy stamp on them to make them different from anything else we'd heard. Well... When I heard Philip's songs first, um, I'd only known him. I think it was the second time I'd ever met him, and he brought he brought a, a, a tape up to my flat, and we he had three songs on it, <clears throat> just him and an acoustic guitar, and uh, we sat down and listened to them, and I just knew there and then uh, the guy had something, you know. And I also knew my uh, my guitar playing would would fit into his songs. I sort of, I just thought this, you know. And would you have been as impressed with Phil Linnett as you might have been with Van Morrison? Well, Van was a different kettle of fish, really. Um, Van had been to the States and toured in England, uh, recorded an album in England, had, had one or two hit records whenever I met him. So he... 
Yeah, this charisma about him when I met him, you know, he, he was just, um, he's just a very, very sort of famous bloke, you know, and, uh, yeah, there was something about him as well. Uh, these guys that you meet, they write their own material, they try and sing the way they want to sing, and so on. Okay. And um, Philip and Van, obviously, both of them had this. Yeah, you you obviously are weren't like a one trick pony. You weren't going to just stick with one outlet to ensure that your rock and roll pathway was was smooth. You were prepared to move from one project to the other and involve yourself with so many different other singers and uh, musicians. I, uh, of course, you know, at the part of that would have involved working with Gary Moore as well. But away from working with Gary, you you worked with the whole series of other people um yeah I, I just wanted to um i just wanted to play the guitar for my living and uh <laughs> it's it like a, a bit of a joke you know like trying to do that in belfast around 1960 whatever it was 1964 it, it was the equivalent of um an elephant walking backwards upside um you know. So it must have been a hell of a challenge. I, I, we look back on it and think that doors were opening for everyone all the time, but compared to today, the, with the communication system we have today, to make it in rock and roll back in the late 60s, early 70s, especially with the challenges that people were facing in, in Belfast, it must have been something of a miracle. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, well, I mean, the thing about Belfast was I'd left Belfast... Um, about three months before the, the actual troubles started. So I wasn't in Belfast at that point in time. Um, I, I was just sort of trying to make a living out of playing the guitar. And uh, it wasn't easy, you know. I, I had loads of nine-to-five jobs uh, at the same time as practicing at night. Um, like, uh, today's music scene, I don't know, basically... What's going on? <laughs> it's, it's, it's certainly a different one, and it's it's probably a lot easier to manufacture it now. I'm just wondering, was it as good on the road? Was it as exciting as it seems? I once was lucky enough to meet Phil Linnett's mother, and I, I shared a taxi with her, and she was an amazing woman to listen to, and she told me about uh, a, a night whereby Phil arrived home with a few lads, and the next morning she made them breakfast, and it was Johnny Rotten and the Sex Pistols. Like, that must have been a hell of a life to be leading yeah yeah you made all types of characters and um it's also the music business is, i suppose it's the same as the as the film the film world um you start getting into this particular um circus if you want to call it that and uh you know it it can be quite a dangerous place um Obviously, the amount of alcohol and drugs that's available. Um, it's just, uh, you know, you've got to watch yourself. Um, that's, that's what it's like. Yeah, is, it is, is very is, exciting. Is that, is that what drew you eventually to the likes of West Cork the, to be away from that scene, or did you find it sort of creative to be where they, the, the, the water was beating against the rocks? Um, 
Yeah, whenever I moved to West Cork, I'm, I'm living in Caridor now, but when I lived in West Cork, it was fabulous, had a beautiful house and all the rest of it. But um, it's sort of in the middle of nowhere, you know, <laughs> living in West Cork. And uh, it wasn't that, it wasn't really Hollywood, you know what I mean? It was, um, gigs were few and far between, and people wanted to hear certain types of music down there. Uh, you know, it was a good scene, but um, it was it, it was difficult. Yeah, so you're happy to be back in this part of the world now, and you're going to be uh, Stuart Bailey and yourself are teaming up for what looks like a heck of an event. Is that only the twelfth of November? Uh, part of the the sounds of Belfast. It's a uh, in conversation. This this is going to be a very interesting uh, project. You'll be talking about the book as well. It's been out for for a while. Remembering uh, before, during, and after Thin Lizzy. It, it, it's an incre- incredible story that obviously you'll have time to tell. All to Stuart. Yes, uh, I don't know what he's going to throw at me. You know, <laughs> um, I just yeah, it's it's a bit of a I've never done that type of thing before. Well, I've never written a book before, so um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I would say. And if if people do want to get the book at present, and <clears throat> I'm sure Thin Lizzy fans probably have a grasp on it already, just remind us of where they can access it. Well, uh, believe it or not, you can get it in Waterstones, as far as I know, uh, for a start. Um, also, if you look up the just the Eric Bell, <coughs> excuse me, the Eric Bell Facebook um, on the Eric Bell official website, uh, it's also on um, Amazon as well. So it's certainly available and it's certainly there. One final point, Eric. I remember that beautiful song that was released um, and I, I think it was the boys out of Skid Row who brought it uh, to, to the fore whenever Phil died about the fishing boats at Hoth. A beautiful, beautiful song. Uh, Old Pal, I think was the, the, the name of it. At that time when Phil in it, did die and was laid to rest. It's an incredibly sad time for the for the music industry, wasn't it? Yeah, it was also it was it was a surprise and it wasn't, if you know what I mean. I mean, Philip, uh, you know, I lived with a guy and played with alongside him for about four years. So um, he he was on a. He got into sort of a, a heavy scene, you know, obviously, with um, certain substances. Uh, and he, he got very unlucky uh, with hepatitis and this, that, and the other. Um, it was a surprise, and in a way it wasn't, if you know what I mean, of, of Philip passing. Yeah, the the lifestyle just got the better of him, which is is, is so sad. Uh, you know, as a seasoned campaigner, Eric, what what would you say to the the younger guys who are on that scene at the moment? Okay, playing to a different audience in a different town, so to speak, but it's still the same ambition to be famous, to have your songs recognised, to be on the on the crest of the wave. You know, what is a, a highly respected seasoned rocker in his seventies uh, say say to those youngsters? Um, give up. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I would just, I would just say to anybody, uh, if you've got something, you know, if you've got some little bit of talent or whatever, 
um, work at it, you know, like work at it, work at it, work at it, do your own thing. Because you're going to get, you're going to meet people that's going to say, oh, you don't want to do this, or you don't want to do that. And um, I would sort of keep them at arm's length and just do what I do, you know. But I think they have to work, like, very, very, very hard, sort of dedicated, because Philip was always writing songs, writing lyrics. We were always practicing. So you've got to put the work in before... I think anything is going to happen, you know. Yeah, you've got to make it happen, and you can I think so, make it yes. happen. I'm just yeah. wondering, is there a cassette lying somewhere with a song that hasn't been released that yourself and AI could make it happen just like the Beatles did and there could be one last roll of the dice, or is that not possible? <laughs> I don't know about AI at all, you know. Um, I, I sort of like a, well... I don't want to put myself down, but sometimes you feel like a dinosaur, you know, in the uh, the days of technology. Well, Eric, you wouldn't be putting yourself down by being modest because you have indeed been one of the modest superstars the whole way through your life. I really appreciate you coming on the, the programme and it's a legendary name uh, associated with the Irish and indeed global music industry. It's great having you on the programme and uh, look forward to hearing what you're going to be saying to Stuart at that uh, special event on the 12th of November. And indeed, uh, people who want to read the book, Remembering Before, During and After Thin Lizzy, the autobiography. The autobiography of Eric Bell is available. Eric, thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Okay, Frank, thank you very much. Thank you very much for your time. That is Eric Bell here on U105. It's coming up on half 11. Good morning to you. 02890 for whatever is on your mind. Uh, we can fit it in here on the U105 phone-in.